you, about all of us together, that on these days when we talk about God's church, it's impossible not to sing that hymn. Grace and peace are yours in Jesus. I don't know if you know this, there are so many good reasons to be part of an actual Christian congregation, not just the church in general, but a Christian congregation that have absolutely nothing to do with eternal life and heaven and all of that. That's what I want to tell you quickly as we start this morning. Christians, for example, are really very pro-life on top of starting almost all of the pregnancy crisis and assistance centers in the United States, as well as many of the centers around the world, which now total in the United States alone over 2,300 pregnancy assistance centers, uh, Christians adopt at a rate almost double the average or the rest of the population. Uh, This is a few years old, but all U.S. households adopt at a 2% rate. Christians tend to adopt at a 5% rate. So if you're concerned that children would have a home to grow up in, a Christian church is a good place to be. And this is not just generic Christians, but as it says in the bottom, practicing Christians, people who participate in a Christian congregation. Or Uh, In general, Christian participation, Christian attendance in the church, and this is probably way too small to see because this is one of these crazy infographs, leads to a better mental health and just better health in general. For example, practicing Christians, church attenders, regular attenders, are connected to a 33% risk of death compared to the average in society, an 84% reduced risk of suicide, a 29% reduced risk of depression, a 50% reduced risk of divorce, a 68% reduced risk of a death of despair for women, and a 33% reduced risk of death of despair for men. I don't know if you've heard about this issue of death of despair, uh, but that's basically the uh, idea or the, the practice that's been happening quite frequently in our culture now where men or women don't have jobs, they don't have a purpose in life, they cannot find things to do, they feel like they don't fit, and society they feel like has kind of shunned them and they just sit in their, in their place and they die. They die alone with nothing to do. It's, it's been t- categorized as a death of despair because there's no other cause for the death than the loneliness and the isolation and the sense of hopelessness. Uh, and so having this reduced risk of, despair, of a death of despair is a significant thing. There's a 33% reduced risk of adolescent drug use, illegal drug use, and a 12% reduced risk of adolescent or teenage depression. Those are a lot of good stats, right? All for regular church attenders. Or uh, on another level, uh, Christians are significantly more generous and likely to volunteer. Uh, Christians who attend church weekly and pray regularly are are 65% 65 of them give on a regular basis compared to 41% of other Americans. And 45% of Americans who attend a church and participate regularly give. serve or volunteer compared to 27% of the other Americans. Again, I know the numbers are probably small to the people in back. That's why I'm reading them. But you can see the general chart. And lastly, and this is one that gets criticized frequently. Again, there's going to be numbers here that are too small. But participating Christians in a Christian congregation 
are significantly more likely to enjoy relationship satisfaction. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of, of criticism, particularly about perhaps women not finding satisfaction and meaning in relationships. And men and women who are highly religiously practiced and participate in a Christian church are significantly more likely by a couple of percentage points to enjoy satisfaction in their relationship. It is not the true that most people find religious practice to be stifling and rip the enjoyment and the satisfaction and the love out of their relationships. Now, all of these stats, like lots of stats, right, they have lots of outliers. There are lots of places in life where you can find somebody. I mean, you probably know somebody who's, who says, yeah, you know, I, I'm a part of a conservative relationship. We attend church regularly, and it is not satisfying to me at all. My, my relationship is highly contentious, right? I'm sure we all know outliers to these stats. But when we're talking 330 million Americans and a few percentage enjoy a much greater religious, greater satisfaction in their relationships, that's a lot of people, right? That's a huge number of people that find so much more benefit out of actively and regularly participating in Christian life. Now, this is not people who just say, I'm a Christian, but they don't participate, right? They don't come to church. They don't forgive each other. They don't encourage each other. They don't pray. They don't serve. They don't try to find ways to connect and and show love to other people. This is people who actually participate on a regular basis, experience incredible benefits for their own lives. And this is what the Apostle Peter wants to pitch to you and I today. He tells us that it is a huge benefit, a great benefit for us to be an active, regular participant in a Christian congregation. And perhaps you say, this is kind of like preaching to the choir, Pastor. I mean, that's why we're here. (laughs) But it is a great encouragement to me, because I don't know about you, but I have plenty of my own days where I'm all like, I don't know if I can put up with everybody else anymore. I think I'm just going to give up on this whole thing. And I bet you feel like the same There are probably days and weeks and Sundays where you say, why should I go? I'm going to have to see Bob again. And man, Bob is just a thorn in my side. Go forgive Bob. Go forgive Bob. It will be good for Bob and it will be good for you. That's what the Apostle Peter wants to tell you and I today. In fact, he says it this way. He says, as you come to him, the living stone projected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into what? A spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It is God's vision and dream for us that we would not live alone, but that we would come together and we would be a house, a place of safety, a place of common commitment to goals that then offer spiritual sacrifices that go out into the world and show love to one another. And that is what God would have us become today in his word. Now, I don't know about you, but I have often dreamed of living in an impressive and a great house. So I was sitting with some friends the other night, and we were talking about this mansion outside of Otsego. Have you ever seen the great mansion over on, I think it's like 108th Street? Have you seen that place ever? looks like this. 
Anybody want to live there? That's, that's like ten, five minutes, ten minutes down the road. It's a, I think last I checked, it was going for like $4 million. They sell it and resell it can, regularly. Uh, it's got 10 or 11 bedrooms. There's like 12 bathrooms in the house. They've got a, a farm. Uh, it's a whole working farm, but there's a, a, a ranch behind it. They've got a horse barn. I think they can train, I don't know, stallions and stuff. I mean, there's everything you want in this place. That is an impressive house. Wouldn't mind buying that. By the way, if you want to make that the parsonage for church, you will have no problem getting pastors. There'll be pastors for your, here forever. Uh, it's an impressive house. And yet, as we talk through the conversation, what's the thing you, we recognize? Not only is the, the trick uh, uh, with a house that it's so expensive, but it takes a ton of work to build a house, doesn't it? A lot of things have to get ripped down, reformed, reshaped, and remolded just to build a house. Where does a two-by-four come from? Trees. The trees have to be cut up, ripped apart, sanded down, da-da-da, all so that we can have one two-by-four to build that house. And the same with concrete, the concrete foundation, sand ripped out of the ground, stones pulled out of the ground, cement ripped out of the ground, reformed so that we can make concrete to pour a foundation. The copper has to get ripped out of the ground and smashed through a tiny little, little hole so that it can get turned into a copper wire and then plastic and polymer shaped around it, right? Over and over, everything that goes into building a house goes through an intensive crucible, right? A lot of pain so that it can be formed into that beautiful thing. And isn't that the hard part for you and I as God seeks to form us into a, a spiritual house? People are way more complex than trees. People are way more complex than the copper in the ground. People are way more complex than the concrete in the ground. And if the tree has to go through so much pain just to become a two-by-four, how much pain do you think you will have to go through so that we can become an amazing spiritual house together? A lot, isn't it? Right? I would love for life to be easy as we come together and not to take too much work for us to become God's great spiritual house. And yet, if it takes a lot of work for the tree to become the two-by-four, to become that house, how much more work will it take for you and I to get formed into God's spiritual house. There's at least six or so really key practices for Christians to become a spiritual house, and all of them are hinted for us today in these words from the Apostle Peter. I want to point them out for us. But here's, here's just a quick list of these six key factors to become that spiritual house. And maybe you're going to recognize some of this as what you and I have had to go through. We have to have a sense of purpose. A congregation, a group of people, we have to have a, a sense of direction where we say, what is God calling us to? And we pursue that call. If we don't have that sense of, of direction or purpose, we aren't getting smashed through the saw to become the board, we won't be going anywhere. We won't be built into a spiritual house. It's going to take some work for you and I to get crushed down and become a group that has that sense of purpose. We need to, to manage the conflict along the way. Manage conflict. We'll never have all conflict go away. We will constantly 
disagree about minor things, but conflict has to become, be manageable. It needs to have meaning for it. It needs to be able, we need to be able to have a sense of control over it, and we need to have a sense that we can comprehend it, right? We can understand what we are going through. So first, we need a sense of purpose together. Second, we need to manage the conflict. Third, we need a sense of clarity. We need to understand what we are and what the rest of the world is and what, where we fit into it together. Do we have a sense of identity that we are this body? I'm not going to tell you exactly what we are today. That's what sermon after sermon and Bible classes and time in conversation spent together. But as we talk together... I'm constantly listening for, for a sense of who you think we are and do we have a sense of our own identity together. You need to be able to clearly define or delineate between ourselves and the rest of the world. And that does not mean that we cut ourselves off from life. But just like the healthy 2 by 4 has to say, I'm a 2 by 4 and I'm no longer a maple tree, so you and I need to be able to say, I am a Christian I'm a practicing Christian. I am a Christian of the Lutheran sort. And that means I'm defined by these specific ideas. And I am not, I am not X, Y, Z, right? And that is okay. We need to watch our mood and our tone together, our spirit, you could say. Are we frequently given to despair, to being angry or depressed or upset? Can we manage that? If I yell at you, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's because I want you to stop being angry about something. No. But sometimes we might need, right, to get criticized, to get rebuked, to get redirected, so that we watch our mood and our tone. We have the God of heaven and earth together as our Lord, and He is calling us to be His people. And he is not satisfied that you and I would just quit. He has a whole world that he wants filled with his good news. Will we press into that? Or are we giving up? Brothers, sisters, let's go on. Let us not quit at this work. We need to have resources. We need to have the capacity that allows us to heal and to recover. We need people among us who have good skills in understanding emotions. We need people among us who have good skills in helping an organizational meeting, a, a work meeting function. We need people among us who have financial resources to assist us in the mission. We need people among us who have time. We need all of these capacities and these resources so that we can function. And if God has said to you, it's time for you to gain some new skills so that you can contribute to us in a meaningful way, then good. And last, we need mature interactions. We need to behave like we actually love each other. You probably have people in your life, right, who drive you crazy. They're so hard to get along with. God willing, you and I, we can interact in ways that shows we really do love and care about each other. I do love you. I love you a lot. That's why I come here every week, so I can see you. I don't come here for the building. I come for you. And I want you to come here so that by God's grace, 
you would see the person next to you, the person across from you, and you would treat them better than you would treat your own family even. Because they're here because they want to see you. Let us behave in mature ways with one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that hard. To have a sense of purpose, to, have, to manage conflict well, to be clear on who we are, on what our two-by-four is and that we are not a maple tree, to manage our resources well, to watch our mood and our tone and to interact maturely with each other. That's hard, isn't it? It requires that we get a lot of things ripped down and, and torn out of ourselves. I have to think about that every time. I get frustrated or upset about something. I told you the story a couple weeks ago when we had a chance here to reach out to have a a little event so we could invite people to share the Easter message and the Easter joy with us, and nobody showed up. And I was not happy about it. God was, though, hitting me upside the head with a two-by-four because that afternoon then somebody said, hey, when is church? I would like to come and hear a service. I had to get put in my place. When did you get last hit up the head with a two-by-four? When did you last get pushed through that small little hole so that you could get formed into who God would have you be? Friends, we are being built into spiritual stones, into that beautiful spiritual house, and it is not going to be the simplest and the easiest process. But the Apostle Peter tells you and I that we have not started this on our own. Everybody has to get torn down a little bit, but someone was torn down the whole way so that you and I would never be all the way ripped down. You heard it in this lesson. Who was it? It says this. It says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Right? A cornerstone, he says. A cornerstone. How do you make a cornerstone? It's the one rock, you find a huge rock and you chisel it all to pieces so that it makes a nice, square, straight stone and you can put it down at the bottom of that building and it will hold the building straight. And one thing the Bible is clear about more than anything else is that Jesus was torn down, he was ripped down, he was cut down so that you and I would be built up. The Bible says, Jesus even says about himself, he says, destroy this temple in three days and I will build it up again. But what was the temple he was talking about? It was the temple of his body, wasn't it? He was ripped down so that you and I could get built up into something that was far greater. And it's true that in life, we feel like we are constantly getting ripped down. But all we have to do is look at him and say, there was one who was ripped down for us so that we would never be torn apart. There was one who was beat for us so that we would never be completely beat down. There was one who was crushed for us so that we would only be clipped by a little rock and not crushed down into the ground. Do you find it hard sometimes to watch your mood and your tone? To stay upbeat, to have that sense of purpose and hope that things will get better in life? Look at the one who was crushed for you and realize that because he was crushed, you will never be crushed. Do you have a hard time watching your own sense of purpose in life and knowing that your life is meaningful? Look at the one who was beat down so that he would fulfill his purpose to save you. And you will never be beat down all the way. Look at all that he went through so that you would have 
a sense of life, and you could be built into something far greater than you could ever imagine. So friends, let's be built together. Be part of a congregation. Be part of a church. Commit to being part of that people regularly, and be built up into something far greater. And I hope that you will be built up with me right here at Peace. But if for whatever reason you say, this is not my congregation, this is not my place, this is not the place for me to be built up, okay, then go find someplace else where you can be built together into something far greater than you and I can be on our own. Imagine yourself as a house. Imagine yourself as a house. What kind of house would you like to be? Some of you might like to be a a little cottage sitting on a lake. Maybe some of you are even the houseboat just floating down a river. Some of you might like to be a a nice three-bedroom ranch outside of town, a couple of acres. Not too much because you don't want to have to mow forever. Some of you might like to be a large two-story house out in suburbia, plenty of bedrooms, lots of space for the kids to come and stay. Maybe you want to be that tiny little, I've always kind of dreamed of being a tiny house because I don't want to have to clean up after myself. Imagine that you're a house. You'd love to be able to stay and be that house all the time. But God will not let you stay that way. When God comes into your life, as it says in the beginning of this lesson, as we come to him, when he comes into your life, at first, he starts to do things in your life that you feel like you can understand. He changes the faucet so that it stops dripping and leaking. And he he fixes that board that was broken in the floor for the last three years so that you stop tripping on it. And maybe he puts on a fresh coat of paint so it shines up a little bit. But then he's going to come into the house and he starts knocking you around. And he's breaking down some walls. And he's ripping off the roof. And he's opening holes in the floor. And you start to say, what's going on here, God? How can you let my life get ripped up this way? How can you let me be beat up like this? How can this happen this way? And you didn't realize it. The whole time you thought you had to be the boat floating down the river. You thought you got to be a nice little three-bedroom ranch. But God said, I need to build a mansion with many rooms so that you can be part of that mansion. And that is what God is building with you and I. And whatever you have to go through so that you can be built better together, won't you go through that? Won't you go through that with me so that we can be that mansion for all to see. Friends, let's be built up better together. Living stones built into this beautiful spiritual priesthood house where we are built better. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were ripped down, you were destroyed, you were teared down so that we could be built up. And we know that however we are hurt, we were dinged, we are pushed down, we are maybe even a little crushed sometimes in life, you were built up so that we would not be destroyed. We pray that today you would build up your people into a beautiful spiritual house where everybody can find a room, a space to be. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.